When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, Michigan Maniacs. This is the Michigan Maniac Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Brewer. Uh, Before we get into this week's episode, just the randoms going on in uh, the big, the B1G, and Michigan, uh, let's talk about the housekeeping stuff. Uh, Once again, not a lot of housekeeping stuff either in this pandemic world we live in, Um, but the ones that I do have, uh, I've got a new sticker coming out soon. Uh, it's going through the approval process. I'm looking at what uh, the new the new sticker looks like, and hopefully it might be the new logo. We'll see. Um, but anyways, if you guys want a Michigan Maniac logo sticker, it would be fantastic. Just go ahead and go to the uh, supported pages. So Michigan Maniac fan page on Facebook. Leave a review there, or go to Apple Podcast. Uh, you can go or iTunes, same thing, uh, and leave a review there. Uh, leave your name, and well, leave whatever name you want. I don't care if it's your real name, fake name, whatever. Just leave a, a PO box address, whatever you want, and I will send you a sticker for free. As everyone else knows, it's a great sticker. It's well done. So uh, get with it, right? So let's go into this new episode here. Um. <sighs> Let's see. I hate to. I hate being the last ones to do these these episodes because, or some of these topics because I they've already been done, right? I mean, you know, uh, fucking Harbaugh had his his first news conference since God knows when. I think it was after the bowl loss to Alabama. Um, obviously, once again, Harbaugh said some stuff that people <laughs> just you know can't wait to you know misquote or take it out of context and do all the same stuff that they always do when it comes to him. Um, so no shock there. Uh, I think it's great, though. I, I love hearing from the guy. I think he should do it more. Uh, I really do. I think uh, he's he's original, at least. You know what I mean? You know that there's going to be some point in time when Harbaugh's going to say something, and it will make news. <laughs> it will. And I think it's still great, because it, it, no matter what he says, it's never really outrageous. I mean, even if you look at the quote, what he said about COVID, it's true. And what he said, it isn't that outrageous. I mean, if you look, just comb your your Facebook page and you'll see numerous takes on COVID-19 and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So why can't he have his own thoughts? And I'm sure his thoughts are probably a little bit more or at least better researched than some of the people you see. I mean, hell, even Bill... Bill Maher, I mean, I, however you feel about the guy, I don't necessarily care for him too much. Uh, I, you know, I find him entertaining, but some of the stuff he's actually said during COVID kind of makes sense. You know, go back, if you're on Facebook, look him up there. There's plenty of his little uh, new rules or whatever they're called, and it addresses COVID, and some of it's actually a right. You know, I mean, he made a point, if you can be on an, on an airplane with your mask on, why can't we be in a football stadium, right? I mean, and I'll only talk on my personal uh, experience with COVID. Now, 
I'm on uh, pandemic leave again from work because I was uh, around somebody who had, who tested positive for COVID, and now I had to get my own test. That was kind of a weird one this time around just because it was, it took me two weeks, two weeks just to find a place where I can get, get a test done. And I had to drive an hour outside of my town, or town, city, uh, Phoenix to Casa Grande to fucking get uh, a test. So the, that shit's real. I mean, I understand that, right? Uh, but I also went to Prescott Valley, or actually Prescott. It's about an hour and a half out to attend a rodeo, because I've never been to a rodeo before, and I thought it'd be something cool to do. And I thought this would be an interesting thing if they wanted to add this to football or whatever sporting event. Whoever shows up, we had to sign a waiver saying that we wouldn't sue or we'd, we'd take it upon ourselves if we catch COVID. We don't want to wear a mask. That's up to us. The rodeo wasn't responsible. It was a, a waiver. You had to sign. No, everyone had to sign it before they went in. There were easily 500, 600 people there. Um, I didn't get it there. And I didn't wear a mask. Uh, so I just, it's weird. I just don't know why we need to shut down our whole lives on this. I know the people who really are affected, I mean, please, wear a mask to help them out if that's what you want to believe in. I mean, just so, you, you know, grandma and grandpa can maybe live a little bit longer. But listen, if you're younger, I if I have it this time, it really wasn't anything. But then again, I take a lot of vitamin C. I take vitamin D. I've been obsessive about that kind of stuff. I'm very obsessive about that kind of stuff. I ha you know, my health is everything. I'm not even in the greatest shape in the world. But if I had it, then I'm telling you, it was, what I had wasn't really that bad. Uh, because I, I would like to think that I take precautions. And also, I don't fit the demographic in which it kills. So, I got lucky there. So, we'll get off of COVID because I think it's ridiculous that we should be spending... Uh, time talking about COVID, a disease or a virus during a, a sports podcast. So I gave my little two cents. Uh, even though I think it is impressive that Michigan, as a whole university, has tested 515 times, and I think it's four people have come back with the the virus. And I think it's great. I think uh, the way the football team's handling this. Yeah, I think kids, people say, well, it's going to be too hard. How can you say these kids shouldn't, uh, they go to a party, they can get it there. Okay, fine. Uh, let them know, well, here at Michigan, you go anywhere, you violate the rules, you're, you're fucked. And they have done that, and look at look what's going on. If the student-athlete really takes his uh, his or hers uh, career and sport, and sports, whatever that may be, seriously, they will abide by the rules. And I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Um, so, anyways, moving on. Um, what I did love to hear was how uh, Harbaugh... I mean, there's some obvious news, right, when he was talking about the players. So you expected to hear Jalen Mayfield um, really be talked up. Yeah? I mean, that's that was really the number one thing. Obviously, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. It's not even a question at this point anymore. Unless he gets hurt or unless he completely regresses, which I doubt. Ed Warner is a genius. Like I said last time, I think he probably might be one of the best coaches that we've ever had at Michigan. Um, even though I do believe that if Harbaugh ever leaves, my guess would be uh, with how the recruiting's going and just the people we're bringing in lately on the offensive and de defensive sides of the ball when it comes to recruits, 
for 2021. I would assume Josh Gaddis would probably be the next guy in line to be the head coach of Michigan. That's my guess, uh, my prediction, I would say, if Harbaugh ever decides he's going to leave within the time that Gaddis is going to be there. Now, granted, Gaddis could leave next year. I would assume, I, I don't know how long his contract was, but you know what I'm saying. So we'll, but um, Jalen Mayfield, awesome. Knew that. Offensive line, I think, is going to be better than we expect. I think they've probably been gelling for a while. Uh, that'll be good to see. Also, um, oh, Derek Jeter, finally. Or Donovan, yeah, Donovan Jeter. Derek Jeter. Donovan Jeter, finally living up to the hype, I guess. Uh, put on some weight. Now he's over 320. Fantastic, especially if he's moving his, uh, from side to side. And uh, the way Harbaugh's talking, if he's finally back to what he was prior knee injury. Now, I understand. I've torn my ACL. And I did it back in the like the dark ages of torn ACL. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it took me forever to come back. And then my my 40 speed was dirt. I mean, I might as well have been a fucking jello mold falling out of a can because I was that slow. It was awful. Uh, but nowadays, uh, but I, I can see how, you know, you could be nervous with this. And he might not have trusted the knee because I know I didn't right off the bat when I first got back. So... Hopefully he's back. Hopefully he's going to be that guy that'll help solidify once again that fucking middle of the line. Because with this new uh, Big Ten conference record that we're only playing, which I'm kind of excited about, the conference record, you know? Just because I, it kind of feels like it's old-timey, you know? It's like that old-school 1960s kind of football again, you know? it's I don't know. I kind of like it. It's, it's interesting, I think. I, I can't wait to see... Oh, uh, who we play, who they add. Uh, very excited about that. I'm sure it's going to be Iowa. Because, I mean, I don't know if they've... I've looked, and I can't find if Michigan put out a new a new schedule or not. So, um, but I would assume it has to be Iowa. Um, Illinois, probably. Ugh, if we have to play Iowa at home, that'll fucking suck. I hope we play Iowa at home, at home in Iowa earlier in the season than later. Because I don't want anything messing with the Ohio State game. We already have the big trap game with Indiana once again. Um, we have Minnesota, which uh, that's exciting. I can't wait to expose. Somebody's going to get exposed in that game. We're either going to expose the cult leader, PJ, PJ Fleck, as a phony and a fraud. That is, you know, he's a good coach. I'm a good coach, but he's, you know, he's not elite. I don't think. And we'll see. I, he had very weak schedules. And he, and he coaches in the weakest division of the B1G. So, hell, you know, anybody can look that good when you're playing shit teams. And then when you play good teams, you, you did kind of what Michigan does. Two and two, you know, one, two, one, lost two, you know, all that kind of shit. So, you know, when you lose to Iowa and Wisconsin, but you beat Penn State, are you elite? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So, you know, and those are your division guys. So you're obviously clearly the third best team in the division. And that was Minnesota's best team, and they still lost to Iowa. Iowa, they're garbage. They're boring. You know, Nate Stanley was good. I'll give it to Nate Stanley. And they have one or two. Okay, they're not, I guess they're not as garbage as I think, but they're just boring. 
They are as boring as... That is the most boring division in the Big Ten. I mean, look at the boring teams in that Big Ten on the east side. No, west side. My fault, east side. <laughs> west side. Wisconsin, boring. Uh, Iowa, boring. Minnesota, eh, they're a little lively, you know? They're a little lively. They're like the drunken uncle that everybody kind of likes. Um, Nebraska, pff, awful. I mean, just gross. They're all up. Purdue, really? I mean, come on. It's boring. I mean, they don't have any of the, you know, really good-looking people of the family. And that's all on the east side. You know, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Even MSU is a little bit more attractive than those on the on the west side, you know. But I digress. So, but getting back to it, Donovan Jeter, I think, a healthy Donovan Jeter only bolt, only just really solidifies that defensive line with Chris Hinton, which I think is going to be a stud this year. He's going to be our new Mo Hurst. Uh, the chubby face assassin, uh, you know, Carlo Kemp. Uh, looking forward to seeing that kid, what he can do. Now he now it's not all on his shoulders. Uh, Donovan Jeter is really, I'm hoping and praying that this time, all the hype they say is for real. Um, now, getting into uh, like kind of the future of the program, I can't wait till I get to see what uh, this R.J. Moten can do. Because I'm going to put him into the future leaders of the Wolverine club right now. And there's only been two so far that I'm adding that haven't, that are either on campus or coming to campus that I think are going to be the true leaders of this team going forward. And I want to put R.J. Moten as the third member of this of this club. Uh, the first two, the founding members, were J.J. McCarthy coming in next season and our main man, Andre Selden. That kid, uh, I can't wait to see what this kid brings. This kid is Sassy. I mean, like sassy, in, like the man, the most manliest way possible, right? I guess you could use he's a dog, but I mean, his dog. I think it's like overused, don't you think? I don't know. I, but he's. I can't wait to see what he does, though. The way he projects himself out there, the way he puts himself out there, the way he demands greatness from himself, it should only rub off on the rest of the players, in my opinion. I just can't wait to see how that happens. And then you put a kid like that and you mix him in with uh, Bob Shoup, right? I think Bob Shoup is going to be the the second greatest maybe one-year, two-year wonder coach that we've ever added next to Jim McElwain. Uh, Jim McElwain, obviously, uh, if you didn't see what our wide receivers did in 2018, it was a Huge leap from 2017, and then you notice a drop off. Now, granted, new system and all that, 2019, so it might have happened. But the way those wide receivers played uh, with better technique, understanding their their routes, understanding how to come back to the quarterback, all that stuff they learned in 2018 was vastly different from 2017. And then you see the drop in 2019. Jim McElwain. Fantastic coach. I mean, even if you just go back and look at Donovan uh, DPJ's numbers. I mean, 2018, the one year McElwain was there, still only 47 receptions, but he had 612 yards receiving and eight touchdowns. Now, 2019, he had 34 receptions for 438 and six. And you could tell uh, DPJ, 
I don't know if he was having problems with the coaches or what, but there was definitely a disconnect. And I'm not going to put in 2017 numbers just because that was his, I believe, his freshman year. Or, yeah, it was the year he played. So, and let's face it, that it was an awful year for our offense. We went through three quarterbacks, um, you know. So I'm not going to, uh, who cares about what DPJ did in 2017? Because it would be unfair. It was his first year of actually playing college football. Uh, but I definitely think you add in Shoop, Bob Shoop, who in 2018, oh, magical year, 2018 for our coaches, uh, Mississippi State in the SEC, one of the top conferences in the country. Now, I think the B1G is right up there. But the SEC, one of the top conferences in the country, he was number one in the nation. Number one in the nation coming out of the SEC. What is it about these SEC coaches that I think really uh, have a they're they're far superior in some ways to other conference coaches? I mean, McElwain, uh, Florida, he's a little wacky because of the what fake death threats or bomb threats or whatever the hell he got canned at Florida for. But still, what he did for for uh, Michigan, unbelievable. I mean, if you could go to let's see here, Pep Hamilton says. Um, this is what he said about McElwain. It was great. It was great for not only our coaching staff, but for our players. Just Coach Mack brought a wealth of experience, and his people skills are off the chart. We gave him the nickname Uncle Mack. He had a way of calming everyone down and just really just sharing the experience he accrued over the years with not only myself, but the rest of the staff and our players. That right there is huge, okay, When especially when it comes to young men who get nervous before big games or just whatever. They're looking to their position coach or other head coach or whatever as the calming force, the, the force that's going to tell them, that's all right, guys, this is a big moment, but we are good, right? His calming just being, and I think, hopefully, that's what Bob Shoup brings to the defense, especially I think he's a great addition to to our defensive backfield, who had the most trouble last season with communication, with understanding where they needed to be, their safeties, uh, well, Metellus not playing in the right positions or letting people get behind him, whatever. I think if Bob Shoup brings that kind of experience, a different look, but being able to really coach up Daxton Hill don't be surprised if he has a breakout season. I'm sure everybody's expecting it. But with Shoup's type of leadership, with his understanding of defense, and having that number one defense out of the SEC, just beating out Michigan as well, because we had the number two defense, I believe, that year in 18. So I'm excited about that. I think he's going to be the McIlwain of our defense. I'm very excited to see what happens this season. I, I think our... Defensive backs get ready for it. Our defensive back communication and play overall is going to surprise people, and I will give it 110% to shoot because uh, last year you could tell there was something going on that they didn't understand. They weren't talking to one another. I mean, look at the Wisconsin game. There were plenty of times when you were when you saw uh, Amory Thomas either pointing to move to do this or to do that, and then they mixed up coverages and they fucked it up. So there, there was... A lack of communication last season. Granted, can't wait to see what Shoop does this season. Very excited. Uh, 
Also, let's look and see. Practice starts soon, the 24th. I'm excited about that. I can't wait. That'll give people like me uh, a chance to actually come up with topics that other podcasts haven't already touched on, which will be awesome. Uh, oh, also, before I go anywhere, I just want to be able... I've gone back and I've thought about some things about which quarterbacks I may have been harder on and not, you know, and maybe given a pass to, or maybe I just, I don't know, expected more or something. So there's two quarterbacks. One I'm going to talk about is Wilton Spate. Now, it's not going to be very long. It's not going to be in-depth, but I think I was wrong on that kid. Um, I know he, he comes off, because if you watch that thing on Amazon Prime with Michigan, he comes off as a very spoiled young man, right? He does. He comes off very privileged, whatever. But on the football field, 2016, he really did a great job. He really kept us in it. He really kept, he was a good leader, I thought. Fiery when he needed to be. Um, yeah, the, the injury at Iowa kind of killed the season. Because we had no one really back there to help him, uh, Peters wasn't going given wasn't given the chance, and O'Corn, and we all know how awful O'Corn was. Um, so yeah, Spate and plus two, 2017, when you have an awful offensive line like he had to deal with. Now, I would wonder what Spate would be like if he had a Ed Warner coached offensive line. Like, if he had what Shea Patterson had in 2019, what could we have done? Uh, I would love to see that. Like, if I had... So take out Milton or uh, Run DMC, right? And you had to give me a choice. Out of the three, well, let's say, out of the five, and I'll give five choices here, of quarterbacks that we've seen during Harbaugh's time, right? Ruddick, uh, Spate, O'Corn, Peters, and Patterson. Those are going to be my only five choices I can pick. Which would be the ones I would want to see come back in which order? And there's only going to be, it's, I think it's quite, and this is all for 2019, the team that we had in 2019. What quarterback could have done a better job than, obviously, uh, Shea Patterson? Uh, I'll get to Shea in a minute. but So, I would say, number one, well, we'll go five up. Five, Shea Patterson. Shocking because he's the one who actually had that offensive line in 2019. Uh, Shea Patterson, boom. Fifth, fourth, I would say O'Corn. <laughs> amazing when O'Corn beats us, Shea Patterson. Uh, you know, actually, I'm not going to shit on Shea. Shea's fourth, O'Corn's fifth. I'll give Shea that much. At least because he had a three-game stretch at, in 2019 where he, was, he looked fucking great. I'll give it to him on that. Then that three-game stretch... Phenomenal. Uh, so that was three games better, or actually two games better than what O'Corn ever did in his life. So O'Corn fifth, Patterson four. I'd rather, I'd love to see uh, Brandon Peters because I, I think Brandon Peters got a raw deal in all this. He, he had one of the worst offensive lines in two, 2017. He got hurt at Wisconsin, which seems like at least one of our quarterbacks in the last couple of years always gets hurt at Wisconsin. Um, and then the defense uh, caved in. Uh, we had a 19-point lead. Our offense fell asleep. I don't know what happened in that that bowl game against South Carolina. But I would love to see what Patter what uh, Peters could have done in 2019. Uh, so I definitely think he would have been better than Shea. 
And then Ruddock, I think, solid, boring, you know. You know, like, he just, he was toast. You know, he's just plain white toast. I mean, if you love, if you love white toast, then you love Ruddock. You know, but solid. Uh, you know it's always going to be on the table. You know it's always going to be, it's always going to provide. You know what you're getting when you're eating white toast. So you knew what you got when you fucking had Jake Ruddock behind that, that center. Granted. And then number one, I really do think Spate would have, he would have, I think he really would have excelled. With those wide receivers that we had, Giles Jackson, Collins, oh my God. He had Chesson and, oh my, I just, I couldn't even imagine. Darbo and he had Chesson, I just couldn't even imagine what he'd be able to do with Nico Collins. And, uh, oh my God. I just, I think we would have been electric last season if we would have had Spate. I really do. Um, yeah, I. so I'll get off that. So Spate, I'm changing my opinion on Spate. I think he actually should be respected for what he's done. Because 2017, a lot of people got on him. But, dude, he had one of the worst offensive lines of Michigan history. Or just not well coached. Let's put this like Great talent, not coached well. Right? Um, also, I mean, that line caused him to break his back. I mean, the guy, injury, I guess injury-ridden, I don't know, separated shoulder, broken collarbone one year, and then breaks his back, but that's because the offensive line was not protecting anyone. Uh, so then two, I still don't think this guy is good. I don't, and I think there's been a massive uh, campaign to make it seem like an injury was what really slowed Shea Patterson down instead of just his lack of preparation and overall gameplay, uh, because I think it, the other narrative that he was just lazy and privileged and didn't want to play hard kind of makes Harbaugh look bad when it comes to who he projected as their main guy and why he stuck with him so long. I mean, obviously, Run DMC getting hurt in the Wisconsin game, I truly believe uh, if Run DMC would have made it out of that game or not even played that game because we were already losing by, <laughs> what, 35 nothing at that point or 28 nothing when when Run DMC came in, so why put him in there? Uh, I believe Dylan would have been our guy for the rest of the season, um, but I don't think it had to do with an injury with Shea Patterson because if that's the case, if it really was an injury, then what is that saying to Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton? A hurt, and a massive, apparently from what all the other podcasts say, a massively hurt Shea Patterson. Going out there week after week just to be mediocre or shitty is a better version than a healthy Run DMC or fucking Joe Milton. Does that make sense to you guys? People who have brains, who can think logically, who can see what happened out on the field. Does that make sense to you? Do you think... That was it, or do you think that he was a self-entitled, kind of uh, lazy, not didn't care about working hard in the offseason? You did not see what, what Milton and Run DMC have done this season during a pandemic was better and more, like, leader-worthy, showing the team. You know, like Milton working with Devin Gardner, going back to Michigan, and working with some of the wide receivers. Run DMC, working with his family, doing the, the practicing there at home. Because, I mean, let's face it, that's just not a normal family, right? 
doing these things. They're not on the golf course, obviously. Well, because during some parts of the pandemic, golf courses have been open. He wasn't there. They weren't there. Like old shame. I think Harbaugh got in too deep with Shea, couldn't get his way out, maybe made a few promises that uh, he needed to live up to, and Shea just was a disappointment. And obviously, I don't want to shit on Shea. Well, I guess I do, because that it does bring me joy. But I feel bad for Shea now. I actually do, because the kid made it, first of all, that draft day had to be miserable for him. Because I'm sure people lied to him and said that he did well and, you know, hey, you're going to go probably fourth to sixth round. Expect that. Expect this team. And I'm sure his agent, his parents, all fucking lied to the kid. And with each passing draft pick and each passing round, it became more and more, uh, like, more, <laughs> the picture started to clear up that, fuck, I guess I'm not going to get drafted. And that has to suck. That would, I mean, I feel bad for him. I, w- I wouldn't want to deal with that. That would fucking be crushing. It really would. It would be awful to feel that way. And then, not to get drafted, which, once again, he can't blame anybody but himself. If you practice, if you work hard, if you have all those things in college, they're going to come, they're going to pay off on the field, and then you're going to see it into the draft. And I'm sure... Team, NFL teams were like, dude, he only had three good three good games 2019. He looked good in 2018, but what happened? Where's the drop-off, right? I, I'm sure that was talked about. Um, hey, he's short. I mean, if you're going to be short, you need to be, you need to be accurate. I mean, Kyler Murray, short, accurate. Drew Brees, short, accurate. Russell Wilson, short, accurate. You can't be short and misfiring, short and legally blind when you're out on the football field and expect to get drafted. So anyways, the kid doesn't get drafted. Feel bad for him there. Then he signs on with the Chiefs. Fuck yeah, man. Going to learn, play behind, you know, at least say hello to, uh, you know, Mahomes. Uh, Andy Reid's a quarterback genius. You know what I mean? Like he fucking offensively, the dude is like a beautiful mind, right? God, what a great opportunity for Shay to actually do something. Then he puts on his Instagram, look at him run. I didn't even know if Shay knew what a treadmill looked like, because uh, I don't know if the country clubs he goes to has them. Uh, but there he is, trying to really make it. And then that same day, he gets cut by the Chiefs. What a kick in the dick that one is. Sign Matt Moore. Yeah, Matt Moore is a more proven entity, obviously, because he's been in the NFL for 10 years, it seems like. But I just feel bad for Shea. I think Shea has no one to blame but himself on that one. Um, I think he should be trying for baseball. Maybe he can do baseball. I haven't seen him play baseball. But if I had any words of encouragement, I'm sure Shea could give a shit what I have to say. But I would say, dude, that's your life, man. Work. Make that sport your life. Every second, work hard to be a great shortstop. Because if you would have spent the time working with your wide receivers and learning the new playbook and doing all the things that you needed to do to be a great quarterback and made that your life at Michigan, I'm sure you would have a much different result now. Because I know, especially when I've done it with comedy, I can't blame anybody but myself for why, why comedy is the way it is for me right now. Well, pandemic too, that's screwed. But I chose to be a father. 
over being a comedian for the most part. I had opportunities to go to shows and uh, talk to people and network and do all the things I needed to do. But I chose to stay home and be a dad, which I would never change. And I put all my time and effort into my son, and my son's amazing. I put hardly any time into my comedy career, and it's struggling at this point, to be quite honest with you. And I have, if I was going to blame anybody, I can't blame anybody else but myself. So if Shay really wanted to look at himself and adjust, the kid's talented. I mean, he has to be. He can't be. Uh, you, can't, you can't be a five-star recruit and play as a dual sports like that and not have some type of real talent. I just think that he was always told how great he was. I think he's privileged to a certain extent. Uh, and I just don't think he has the drive to do it. I would love to see if he has the drive. That'd be great, but I just don't think it's in it. So I, I'm, I'll get off of Shea Patterson. I really don't. I think he's probably a really good kid. I'm not saying he's a brat or anything. I just... I just know guys like Shea Patterson. I know super talented kids who've been always told their whole life that they were going to make it and that the level of work that they put in was good enough because the level of competition was always below what their level of uh, commitment was, right? Now when they get to that other, they haven't, when they get to the next level, they never learned how to really buckle down and work hard. So now that the playing field's even, he's still a little bit above some of the others but still not to the elite level because elite players work hard. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. I don't give a shit how good you are. Even Randy Moss, who I think is one of the best wide receivers ever, worked hard. And you notice when he worked, even when he really dedicated himself to the game, look what he was able to accomplish. It's plain and simple. You, you can tell it takes you so far. And after that, you got to work hard. So... I think that's about all I got right now, guys. I wish I had more. Um, oh, well, I'll leave it with one last thing. One last thing. And that's one thing I saw on Instagram. And I think this is actually going to be a segment that I'm going to create is uh, once a week, maybe even twice a month, whatever, depending on how the football season goes. I'm going to find what annoys me on Instagram, and I'm going to talk about it. And now, and I think this was a decent enough question to ask, but I think it's kind of silly in the in the in its own right. Is somebody, and I can't remember right now because I don't have who posted it, but they said, "Would you rather see Michigan go five and seven, play this year, but go five and seven, or not have a season at all?" And I think one person said that they'd rather see Michigan go, excuse me, five and seven because that means that at least they're playing. I think that is crazy talk, to be quite honest with you, right? 100% crazy talk. I'd rather not play another fucking game than allow Michigan to go 5-7 and seven because that means we went out on the field and we got worked seven times. If you look over our schedule this season, let's just say it goes by 2020 and not Big Ten play. We'll just go all just the normal schedules like Washington, you know, all that kind of shit. That means we got worked seven times. Seven times. That's awful. So the repercussions of going five and seven is now that you could lose uh, committed recruits for 2021. I say, fuck this. Look at this. This program is going in the trash. I mean, they were nine and four last season. Now they're five and seven this season. That's not going to help on the recruiting trail. That's definitely not going to help us get close to uh, playing or beating Ohio State because I would assume one of those seven fucking losses is going to be to Ohio State, 
right? And that means other teams and many other teams in the Big Ten East. So that means we're probably fourth in the Big Ten East. Lower, probably around eighth. Eight more teams having better records than us in the Big 12. I mean, the in the B1G in general, like just the overall. What good would a 5-7 and seven Michigan team ever be? That's not, I don't care if they played. Who wants to see us lose seven games? We as a fan base, we can't stand it when they lose one. But we're going we're going to just be grateful? No, thank you. I mean, I'm sure that guy or whoever it was just loves the game of football and wants to see Michigan play. I do too. I love it. But I'd rather never see Michigan play again than us have five and seven. Because that is more detrimental to the overall health of Michigan football than if we never played. That's crazy talk. Five and seven. Who would want that? That's it's bonkers. Bonkers. I'm telling you it's bonkers. There's no way that should ever happen. I just, right? Tell me if I'm wrong, guys. Once again, listen. I'm here to talk to you guys online, offline, whatever the heck it is. Just hit it up on the Michigan Maniac fan page, right? I always answer those, all those messages. Uh, anyone on Instagram, hit whatever post I put. Just let's talk. I'm cool with it. I love talking to you guys. Even if it's something that I don't necessarily agree with, I love the idea that maybe you twist the Coke can of my opinion in my mind and I see something different that I never saw before. I love that. I'm willing to listen. Right? I am. I'm really willing to listen. Uh, now, if I decide not, you know, I'll even probably, I'll even answer back. Even if I don't like it. Right? I don't care. Fuck it. Um, also, guys, uh, because I'm an independent uh, podcaster, I always appreciate if you guys can support me and other independent podcasters. Right? Because we're not supported by... 24-7, we're not supported by Lockdown, we're not supported by Sports Illustrated, we're not supported by uh, US, like USA or what, what, whatever these newspapers are that are helping out other podcasts, right? We're just not. Oh, The Athletic, that's the one I'm thinking of. The Athletic. We're not support, I'm not supported by any of those. And neither are some of my, my buddies who are podcasters. So anytime you can support us in any way, shape, or form, it's always appreciated. Thank you so much for that. And if I could say, uh, this guy's new, my buddy Charlie, he has a new podcast called The House of Hail. Check it out. Uh, he has the only first episode out. He's general, just kind of background about who he is or whatever. Check him out, see if you like it. I'm sure he'll have more coming soon. Uh, but, you know, he was a Michigan Maniac, or still is a Michigan Maniac fan, which is fantastic because I love my Maniacs. You guys are fantastic. You're the best fan base I think I could have ever asked for. Um, but, you know, just support him, keep supporting us, or me, <laughs> and thank you guys. Like I always say, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. It really is. And every, with the pain, through the fun, through it all, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. And always and forever, guys, go blue.